0: Good evening, you're listening to Teachers Talk Radio.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.
0: So this evening on my Service Children in Education special, we'll be talking to Phil Dent from the Skip Alliance, to Sandra Lahuke. We'll also be speaking to Louise Fentigan and Vakas Ahmad.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in – talk it out – with Teachers Talk Radio.
0: Well, good evening everybody. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. With me, Holly Kingmand, it's The Late Show. I do it fortnightly, so you're very lucky, I would say, to have me this evening on Armistice Day for a really, really important show this evening looking at how we can best support service children in education. I've got some absolutely brilliant guests that bring such a wealth of knowledge and experience and expertise and passion um to the topics that we're going to talk about Uh, so what's been going on over the last two weeks since i spoke to you all well just much of the same really lots of childhood bugs flying through my household as i'm sure it's the same for many of you with your own children or going into school with children it's just that time of year isn't it everyone is a bit grotty Um, but don't worry christmas is just around the corner we've got all of that to look forward to so i think we should get straight on with our first guest who is phil dent the director of the service children's progression alliance now um i did pre-record this interview with phil um it's a very busy day for many of us um because today of course is remembrance day so there are lots of remembrance services and events and um phil very kindly gave his time up to speak to me um in advance of this show this evening so um Here is that really interesting chat that I had with Phil. And now I welcome Phil Dent, who is the director of the Service Children's Progression Alliance. Uh, We're so lucky to have Phil with us um, for for this chat, as it's uh, a very busy time of year for for all of us, but I suppose, particularly those that are involved with working with um, military families and and those connected with um, service and and the forces. So, uh, Phil, welcome.
2: Thanks very much, Holly, for having me.
0: Oh, no, absolute, absolute pleasure. So um, why don't you start by telling us um, a bit about your background and how you came to be the director of um, Service Children's Progression Alliance?
2: Oh, what a nice opportunity. I don't often get asked that. So (laughs) I um, was a secondary school teacher. I I taught philosophy and RE in secondary schools in Bristol and Manchester and the West Midlands um before it wasn't very long actually before i realized that i was as passionate about young people and their thriving as i was philosophy and so very quickly got involved in cross-curricular learning um metacognition theories and learning to learn strategies and all sorts of things like that so i got very interested in the research that underpins that as well as what goes on outside the school and how that has an impact on their lives and i discovered it this is um, much greater impact than you might think. So yeah, that got me interested in, in research in that field. I took on a role in higher education, supporting partnership working between universities, colleges and schools to support progression through education. Um, and then I ran a social enterprise um, training uh, schools and colleges, universities and others in the theory and practice of progression for young people. Um, did some advisory work for government, went to Australia uh, and did some advisory work there, all sorts of things like that. And as a result of that, I ended up in work with particular disadvantaged groups. Before this, I focused for about 10 years working with children in care, and then discovered that there was such a thing as a service child. It was, com- I had no idea at all until the local authority where I was based at the University of Winchester said, what do you do for service children? And we said, what's a service child? um and that's where the alliance essentially was born because before that there was pretty zero awareness within the higher education sector um, of that need so um, yeah that's how i came then to lead some research that was um funded by the ministry of defense that identified service children are underrepresented in higher education and as a result of that we sat, set up and founded the service children's progression alliance the skip alliance and i've been its director since 2016.
0: Wow. Um so so much expertise and experience has really fed into to to what you're doing. Um and, and I have to say, like I agree with you, we, we often forget that service children are part of that disadvantaged category, don't we? You know, we, we we tend to often focus it on maybe people's financial circumstances or if they've got a special educational need. And we forget actually that service children, you know, are often on the back foot in education as well. Um, so we really are so grateful to have you and your, your expertise with us this evening. Uh, so why don't you um, tell us a little bit about exactly what the Service Children's Progression Alliance is, what it's made up of, what it loosely what it does.
3: Yeah, of course.
2: Thank you. Um, so the Skip Alliance is it's an alliance. It's a network. It's a it's a partnership of organisations, professionals who all share in a common vision of thriving lives for service children because as you said there can be some disadvantages of results we'll come back to that i hope
4: mm-hmm. because
2: um, we we uh, don't only focus on the disadvantages but also the strengths of young people um and so as a, a result of that need what we do is bring together stakeholders who have something to offer to improve service children's lives we did some research in 2018 asking school teachers and colleges and universities local authorities charities that work in the field what do you need to improve your support and they broadly said all the same thing they said we need to be better connected and that was with each other and with evidence and with support and the alliance essentially has responded to that call since then so we run a uk wide hub network there are 12 hubs hosted by different partners across the uk um, they're free to access online you can find on our website we develop tools and resources um, that uh, provide evidence-based support for how to improve what you're doing to support service children we commission and deliver and share and translate research to better understand their lives and what works to improve them and also we advocate for the sector with policy makers so that we can change policy where it needs to change so that the service children and we who are supporting them work in environments more supportive
0: excellent um well i mean it, it sounds like thanks to you guys that actually everything you know for these service families that there's more support for them and schools and everyone's sort of a bit better connected because of of what you do. Um, So what sort of struggles do service children face in in terms of their education? What what are the biggest barriers for their success and, and progression? you Yeah,
2: it's a really important question. And one thing to say is that we don't know enough about that. Um, But Thankfully we are involved in research, but I'm really keen in how the research makes a difference. And so what we know is there's three main experiences of service life that have an impact on children. And this is all a generalization, like I said, it's different for different young people. And there's a huge amount of diversity. And that's the first thing to say is that diversity is one feature of service children's lives. There's no one experience, they're unique like all children. But that diversity includes separation from their parents. So, that might well be, depending on the branch of the armed forces they're in, quite different. It could be weekending, where you see your parent only at the weekend or once every two or three weekends, but otherwise you're staying in a family home and quite settled. But it could be um, deployment on training or whatever it is, which means you're serving parents. And it could be both parents um, if they're both serving, could be away for six to nine months. Uh, and your contact with them can be very different. If they're a Submariner, you might have virtually no contact with them for that period. Whereas if they're on a training exercise somewhere else, you might be talking to them every day on FaceTime and things like that. So separation is a big one. Um, and that's really important to young people themselves. Primary school children particularly talk about the impact of separation on their well-being. Um, mobility is another big one by which we mean moving around essentially. And it's important to say that's not true for all of them. So some service children won't move any more than anybody else. Others, um, I mean, the record in my experience has been about 20 different schools in a in, a, uh, uh, in their school life, um, but it's not uncommon for it to be eight or more different schools. And the important thing to say about this actually is that there's a real loss of agency around the moving because this could be at short notice. It is not going to be organised around the school year, so it could well be right in the middle of a school term, and the, the amount of choice that you get in the process of moving and where you might be going and what schools you might be able to access is limited. Um, so separation so and mobility. unsettling
0: for them. That must be really, you know, we. I don't think we give enough consideration to how unsettling that must be, especially if it's happening continually. You know, every you know, year or couple of years or, or frequently within a year.
2: That's right. I mean, it has huge impacts. I mean, again, I'm generalizing here, but um, a good way to think about the impact it has on them is is, is through three things, mainly that all that diversity around separation and mobility and also the process of transition out of the military, which is another factor, it leads to discontinuity in their learning and in their relationships and in their opportunities. So you can imagine, I mean, people in different schools, we don't have a curriculum that follows the same pattern, even. you might be teaching the same stuff, but not in the same order. So children are often telling us about doing the Vikings five times and missing entire chunks of the maths curriculum, or you might be in a school in your GCSE years, for example, if you're in England or in other uh, in qualifications in other countries, and you move to another school in the process, and they don't even teach that that course anymore. And it might be post-16, similar situations where um, the courses you're on aren't delivered somewhere else or your access to the same kind of courses just isn't even there because it's too far to travel to a local college, for example. So there's huge discontinuity in the learning and that's also like you were saying about, for example, with special educational needs, you know how long it can take to understand the learning preferences of a child. Uh, And to understand a relation, build a relationship with them to know how they want to learn. But that's true with special educational needs. It can take time to understand what those needs are. And you're particularly disadvantaged if you're a mobile service child with special educational needs because there's a risk it might not be picked up. And certainly the support you put in place won't be consistent because they're moving. And so those children um, are much more likely to underperform when it comes to GCSEs, for example, in the English context and similarly elsewhere. Um, but the relationships as well is a really important part, as you'll guess, not just the relationship with peers, but also with, with us as teachers and professionals, but with peers, imagine having to make and break friends repeatedly, how likely you are to invest in those friendships in future, some evidence suggests that children are more likely to not feel like they belong in the school, um, or more likely to, to experience bullying, being the outsider, so the loads of impacts on their relationships and their likely engagement in learning and in the classroom. And also there are opportunities. This is one I had not thought about much until talking to young people is that if you um, if you're a scout or a guide, etc, they have long waiting lists and when you move, you don't just go to the top of the list. Of
0: course, yeah, I hadn't thought so if that. If you're in a sports
2: club um, and you want to progress in terms of your leadership skills or your music, etc, if that process is broken up by going to a different place where they don't have that teaching or those opportunities, again, um, have waiting lists, then uh, there can be significant impacts on your access to opportunities.
0: Gosh, I mean, I, I like you say. I completely hadn't thought of of that that final one there about, you know, how do you, you know, move up through the different sort of clubs and societies and things that you might be involved with, if you're constantly moving to different locations, um, and of course that must have, you know, quite a considerable impact on their self esteem and um, and like you say, their opportunities. Uh, we've spoken quite a lot about. Um, the disadvantages they face but um it'd be nice just to hear from your perspective the the advantages of being a a service child what 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 are the qualities that they can bring to um the classroom and and working with their peers and their teachers
2: i'm really glad you've asked that because um one thing that's really important to us at the skip alliance and all our members is that we don't take that deficit approach that problematizes young people because Um, There's enough of that that goes on, obviously, in the the press and in public in general. Um, We always start from an asset-based approach, and the best way, I think, to support young people is to work work with them in terms of what their strengths and their interests are. Um, And they are many for service children. Um, There's evidence that they might, well, because of that, the same thing, all that discontinuity can create greater adaptability and maturity. Um, and sense of independence. They always talk about this immense pride they feel in their parents' role in in, in serve in serving as they do. They serve us all. So there is huge potential there. I know that in some interviews, I remember with undergraduate students they're the ones who are best prepared for progression into higher education where they're independent they're the ones who are helping and consoling their um, their peers who are ringing home um, homesick <laughs> of, who are teaching them that this is how you iron clothes or this is how you cook and you know they're the ones who are often not always who are often best prepared for that and we often find as well in schools they're they're often the ones keen to take on leadership roles um, because they have often and again I, I keep saying that because it's not always the case Um, they can they can have um, a greater sense of, uh, of duty but also the capacity for leadership as well so there are huge things I think but the really important thing to say is that that diversity and that discontinuity that flows from it can mean both development opportunities where all these things these strengths come out and also disadvantage and that's not just child by child but kind of moment by moment for individual children, depending on their circumstances. So knowing the young person as deta- in a detailed way as possible, good relationships with the family, all the normal stuff about doing school and education well, I think are even yeah. more important for these because they've got everything else you'd normally deal with, plus this added complexity.
0: OK, so sort of heightened levels of doing what what schools already do so, so very well.
2: Yeah, that's um, right.
0: So I mean, what could... Um, you know, what recommendations do you make for school teachers that might be welcoming um, a a service child into their classroom? I know there are some schools that are located maybe next to a, a, a base where they're, you know, they're frequented by service families, and they and they're very well adapted to dealing with them. But sometimes, if it's just one or two, and a school might not be very experienced, what sort of, sort of things can they do to really uh, maximise their support for service children in education?
2: Yeah, I mean that diversity of school setting is a really really important point, and it's a really important challenge for us to address as an alliance. Um, we don't have data for everywhere. But because schools in England get service pupil premium, 310 pounds per child um, whose parents is serving or has served in the last six years, we have data in England, pretty good data about where they are. And you make a really good point. It's a surprise to most people to find that half of primary and secondary schools in England have a service child in them. So you pick one at random, it's 50-50, they've got one. But half of those schools only have one or two. So most people think, yeah, there's a concentration of service children, obviously around the bases, and that is true, but is a risk that people might think this is not on my shouldn't be on my agenda. There isn't a single local authority that doesn't accept, I think one, the city of London doesn't have any service children. But you know, almost every local authority and half of schools have a service child, but they may be hidden. And that's really important. And that's why we did some research to find out what things can, can any school do whether they've got one child or a hundred, whether they're supporting children who are very mobile or not mobile, whether they're in this part of the country or that, or whether they're in army or Navy, or RAF Marines support particularly. Um, And what that told us, I'm really pleased because what a wonderful plug opportunity you've given me. The result (laughs) of that is that we came up with, the research identified seven principles of effective support. And they are now part of what's called the Thriving Lives Toolkit, which you can get on the Skip Alliance website, And download for free Um, so that says some really simple things the important thing to say about it is it doesn't dictate what a school should do because you can imagine i'm sure a school here that has one child can't necessarily just look at the school over there that has a hundred children and say let's do that it just doesn't work so what the framework does it says these are the questions you should ask yourself in order to work out how to support your school context That's why those seven principles are in there and each principle has a series of questions Um, and so those things it's really important that schools have a a whole school approach that leaders are understanding that this is an issue and that there is an awareness of what that issue is and one of the principles is also about staff being well informed and to that end go on our website there are some very short videos that give you a summary like two minutes which you if you want to introduce staff to these these needs yeah, I'll just watch a two-minute video, but also then there's some self-directed CPD, so you can just go through. If you want to know more about a particular feature, then you can spend a bit more time at your own pace learning about service children needs and what you can do. And there are case studies of schools and what they've done. Some of the key things, though, are that well-being is a feature that is matters throughout. Because of that upset in terms of relationships, etc., what goes on outside the classroom is going to have a massive impact on the success inside the classroom. So there's loads of ideas about how to support well-being. Um, transition is really big. The process, especially if it's mid-year, like I said, short notice, course, and they've had to do it again and again. How do you make a welcoming? Um, environment from day one how do you build a relationship with a family from day one when all your induction things you'd normally do happen at a certain time of year how do you repeat that in year at short notice when somebody arrives really good relationships with the school sending you sending the child and also when you send them on lots of schools find that they just don't get the data they want about what are they what have they been learning about what levels are they at what are their strengths etc what are their needs that takes time and the mod have done masses of great work to improve the transfer of information between schools but schools have to take ownership of that it, do
0: you know it sounds to me like all schools should have um a member of staff who sort of oversees the incoming and and outgoing service children Um, to make sure that there is that continuity. It seems like a no brainer. I wonder, maybe schools do have that and just the schools don't don't have that. I'm just wondering, have
2: you read the toolkit? Because it sounds like you have. You're really on message, Holly, thank you. Um, I I,
0: I haven't, but I should confess, um, (laughs) the school that I started my teaching career at um, was um, about a 10 minute walk from RAF Northolt. So um, we were a school that had lots of service children. And whilst even at at the time I hadn't really um considered it much since then on reflection i can see the things that we did and and how we supported those children when i compare that to other schools that i i've worked at since but um yeah. but no i'm 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 glad to hear that i'm you're <laughs> on message <laughs> definitely
2: that's true and, and that means head teachers and leaders as well as governors as well um, um or um, um parent councils if you're in scotland for example i think other things that are really important are about relationships with individuals so two of the principles are about the children and families It's really important because children have this experience of losing agency, Because of having to move around all the time, not having control over their choices and lives, etc. It's really important to try and do something about that and making sure children are heard is one of the seven principles. What are we doing to make sure that there are lots of different ways to be heard? How are service children's experiences kind of fitting into normal kind of pupil councils and those kinds of things? But also different spaces. Service children who are the one and two can often feel like they're just not understood by their peers and for example universities like winchester where i am based and lots of others run days that bring schools from different places together so that those ones and twos can meet others and no longer feel like they're the only one or find ways for them to be able to talk to their peers about this is what it's like being me so well, i suppose that then gives them heard. a bit
0: more um agency as well doesn't it if you know That's this right. is my, my really story hard, this is is you know this is what i bring to the table i think that's always you know in yeah. any context i think that really gives young people a lot of sense of um value and self-esteem right. to be able to do that
2: no surprise then that the other feature is, is about being engaged with parents and um, we all know how significant that can be and also how difficult that is in a school setting but again more important here i think as well because it's the parents who are the consistent in the in service child's life when they move the family is moving that is not always the case there are some changes to that dual serving families mean you might well be separated from both parents living with uncle aunt or gran or grandma etc um or indeed you might have moved away from your support network but finding ways to engage with the family is important because they will be better informed about what changes are going on at home when mum or dad is being deployed so they can tell a school that this is about to be happening this is why my son or daughter might well be feeling this way please please be aware of that so um yeah a simple way going through that we're in the process thanks to some funding from government of turning it into an online toolkit so by the new year A simple way for a school to engage reflect on their practices and develop um, um, things that work in their setting i've got to say some really creative ways that schools have responded which i just wouldn't have thought of Uh, there's a lovely example actually in a school in hampshire that i often refer to because it just surprised me that we did some work when i was at winchester first doing this encouraging schools to think of ways to respond to service children's needs and came across this school where the head teacher's mother-in-law was a really keen knitter And they came across a resource from the naval children's charity called knit the family and it was separation anxiety so they would knit an example a a kind of an avatar of the child and the parent deployed and they would take it with them on deployment and so and it just turned out to be a fantastic way for them when they are communicating between you know parent and uh, the deployed parent and the child to be able to remind them of their to my parent to my schools look i've got my deployment doll here it's a reminder to parents sorry to, to, to staff my dad is on deployment my mum is, is is on training or whatever it is and also when the parent is away they found it a huge um hugely a beneficial comfort, way of having conversation do. with their child because that's not yeah. an easy thing to do for the parent either so that's just an amazing i mean that's one of the case studies you'll find on our website just amazingly creative ways but there are loads of examples in the toolkit
0: well it, i mean i, I I want to go and have a look, and I'm not a classroom based teacher at the moment, Um, but anybody who's listening to this, it sounds like a great opportunity to get some free CPD and some ideas to take take, um, into your school. Um, So uh, we're nearing the end of our our chat, Phil. And um, I I did tell you beforehand that I would ask you what I always ask everybody who I interview, um, who was your favorite teacher at school and why?
2: Uh, That's a good question. It's a difficult one as well, because I love lots of my my teachers, but one thing stands out to me. I remember when I started teaching, I realized the children and me when I was a child had no idea of teachers existing outside of the classroom like they had a life. (laughs) And so I remember seeing a teacher that kind of changed that by having a real relationship, you know, in appropriate ways, but but teacher, I think it was Mr. Smith was my history teacher, and he was just very open about I know, his learning in life, and he was very real as a human being, and it made a massive difference to kind of fit, kind of, that we were sharing a journey. We're both human beings, yeah. we're both doing learning, and that made a massive difference to my experience and relationship with him.
0: Absolutely, lovely, brilliant. Look, Phil, thank you so much for, for joining us, and, and especially at such a busy time of year for, for the Alliance, I would expect. Um, um, but but uh, hopefully I uh, will get to speak to again you again soon, soon. and uh, um, take, care, take care, and uh, so thank you again. again. So uh, that was the, the wonderful Phil Dent from the Skip Alliance. Uh, we're just going to go to some adverts to hear from our wonderful sponsors. But after that, we will be hearing from Louise Fentigan, who is the founder of a wonderful charity called Little Troopers um, that are running some really great projects in schools at the moment. So we'll be hearing from, from her.
1: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppy's Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics.
0: Hello, Louise. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me this evening on Teachers Talk Radio. Yeah. We talk about little troopers. Um, I was really excited to see the school projects that you're you're running and Um, what with doing the Service Children in Education Special this evening, it seemed only natural to to have a chat with you about the project you're running and why you're running it and and the impact that you you see it having on schools. So uh, why don't you start by telling us a bit about what Little Troopers is and and how you're involved with Little Troopers.
5: Yeah, sure. So Little Troopers is a national charity um, and we support all children with one or both parents Serving in the British Armed Forces, so I was in the army, my husband's still serving in the British army, and we have a daughter who is now 18 and has just started university. And I founded the charity 10 years ago, so we're 10 years old this year, um, because at the time my daughter was a military child is still a military child but was a lot younger was sort of seven um and uh was moving home moving school and her dad was um going to iraq and afghanistan a lot and her mum was also serving and going away a lot and that just brought really unique challenges and there was nothing out there there was no support for military children nothing that i could kind of empower myself to support my child and so that's how the charity started Um, and then sort of fast forward to where we are now and Little Troopers um, is something I'm so passionate about I'm still so passionate about impacting change for military children and yes we have the project little troopers at school um, which started about three or four years ago and um, but we were really lucky to receive a large armed forces covenant grant um, two, two years ago and that's sort of just all coming to fruition now with all the resources um, that are available and little troopers at school is about educating the educator and you know so it's about understanding helping schools understand the challenges military children can face deployment house moves school moves friendships all those things and then you know helping them to understand those challenges and what military life can look like and how it can bring some certain behaviors into the classroom and then it's about us as a charity providing practical resources and activities that then primary and secondary schools can then use in the classroom um, whether that's a one-off you know one-off time or whether that's on, on an ongoing programme of support um, and we've just we've got so many resources we've got books for the um, school library we've got primary school resource pack with loads of stuff in it we've got a primary school well-being course template um, and then they're replicated secondary so we've got a secondary school well-being course and we have got everything on our website to start a forces life club in your school uh we have got a podcast called squad which is about military teens, and that we really advocate that teachers
0: to listen to or is that for yes you? yes
5: so it's about really understanding directly from military teens what military life is like so the themes across the eight episodes are exams, universities, schools, friendships, like and how that's impacted them through their school. And it's really gorgeous because a lot of the teams talk about a special teacher um, through their school journey and um, you know a lot of us have a special teacher don't we and a load of them have said oh you know my mum was away and I was finding it so hard and this teacher really helped me and what's been so lovely is some of the teachers have then heard the podcast and they're like oh that's really point." that is just that is really yeah. lovely isn't it um, so yeah that podcast is out there um, and we've got an online toolbox and we've got resources for children with additional needs around military scenarios there's just so much the whole idea behind little troopers at school is to just have everything there for teachers so the planning's done the facilitator notes are done the activity sheets it's all done all we're asking is for you guys to then deliver it in the classroom to bring benefit to the
0: children. It, it and and I make most of it. It's do you know it's uh, like I was saying to you before we we uh, went live this evening. Um, I'm not based in the classroom at the moment, um, but even when I was only just you know a couple of years back. I had no idea that that all of these resources were available. I mean, we've spoken to Phil Dent also this evening from the uh, Service Children's Progression Alliance, and they've got tons of resources and connections with different charities. And it just seems like there's so much out there, but maybe teachers are not necessarily aware that it's there or that they can use it or or maybe they know they've got a service child in their, their class. maybe their service that child is just presenting like all the other children in the class and they might not be necessarily aware of the challenges that that child might be facing
5: yeah absolutely and um there isn't one size fits all so um first and foremost you know we always say it's we're little troopers is about raising awareness that you know military children absolutely can could be in your classroom and that might be because you're in a high percentage military area so therefore you've got a lot of military children in your school and they're coming and going or it might be that you're a little village school and a military family have decided to buy a home settle there and therefore you just have one military child in your school um, but they still have the challenges you know there's so many different we always say Military children have a patchwork of life, you know, Um, and it's about raising awareness that they might have someone away from home, they might have moved schools loads of times, they might um, struggle with friendships because they're always moving, you know, there's so many variables that a military child could be going through. And it affects all children slightly differently. You know, my daughter was seven and really struggled with her dad away at that particular age. You know, how she presented was really different at all the different ages. You know, it was very different at seven than it was to 14 or whatever, you know. So I think it's just about raising that awareness and saying look if you do have a military child in your school the first thing for us is to promote communication you know let the families know that you please tell us if you've got someone going away please tell us if there's going to be a long you know because deployment can look like 10 months you know and if you've got a child for instance whose parent is on a submarine there's no communication. So there's a 60 word family gram once a week that you can send. So the whole family's got 60 words to send to their loved one on a submarine. Yeah, that's virtually nothing, is it? You no, know, the point got star of the week, loved football after school, that's just 60 words gone, you know, so if there's three children at home. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't know a lot about the military community and assume that it's 2021, and we're all FaceTiming um, when our loved ones go away. But that isn't the case because of security, because of some of the locations that military personnel go to. That's not always possible. So the child may not go, you know, they may go 10 days without speaking to their parent. So therefore, they're not allowed to share these lovely things that are happening at school or, you know, and it's just about, really understanding what life as a military child actually looks like and then for us it was then about um you know you mentioned skip alliance they're great they're really doing the research and then i guess little troopers is then delivering the that research um, on the ground yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly Absolutely. so you know the research with the research shows why something's needed and that there's you know because it's not a niche community there's over 70,000 military children in education over the uk you know that's that's a large cohort of kids um so the research is there as to the challenges they face and why military children need this support which then obviously created the government fund, the service pupil premium, which is for pastoral support for military children in education. And then Little Troopers is the bottom rung of that, where we're providing all that tangible, easily accessible resources for you to grab anytime you need or want um, to be able to actually bring that support to military children in the classroom.
0: Brilliant. That sounds, um, it it sounds like all teachers should really go to to the website and and have a look. Uh, Do you want to just let us know what the website is so people can easily access all of those resources? Yeah,
5: absolutely. Littletroopers.net, really easy. We've got an at school area on the website where you can access our We've got a two hour workshop on there that you can replicate in school, we've done everything for you, all the resources I spoke about. Um, you can order the well being courses and the resource packs, you can access the, the podcast and um, you know do go and have a look we've got a teacher, Little Troopers at School for Teachers Facebook group and um, where people can chat about you know how are you supporting military children in your schools and we've got a a school specific newsletter as well so you know there's loads out there come and find us little troopers and and i really hope we can help you benefit the military children in in your education settings
0: that is um really really helpful louise and um just it sounds like you're doing so much like you're Little troopers and and your efforts just sound absolutely incredible. I don't know where you find the time to do all of these things. Um... I don't. I have these grand ideas. I'm like, we need to do this next. We need to do this. Um, We need to do this.
5: I love time in the day, but um, but yeah, no. So recently, we've been really focusing on secondary. The first two years of the schools project was getting primary stuff out there, which is great. And then the last two years has really been about enhancing that secondary support because there was even less out there for military teenagers. Um, So we've had great fun getting out into schools and meeting loads of military
0: teens, And yeah, it's been great. Amazing, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, It's been a pleasure to hear what Little Troopers um are doing and, and and all of the like millions of things that you you're providing for us to make our job of supporting military children uh, that bit easier so um yeah wonderful thank you so much louise thank you bye
1: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with megan goods
4: Is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News? A worrying trend on social media app TikTok has seen teachers across the country targeted in videos. The content contains unfounded allegations of sexual misconduct and uses offensive insults and homophobic slurs. The social media company has been written to by the Association of School and College Leaders, who demand TikTok take immediate steps to remove the content. Jeff Barton, the General Secretary of the ASCL, has spoken out, saying he is deeply concerned that a number of offensive and defamatory videos have been posted on the TikTok platform targeting members of school staff. Although these posts appear to be in clear contravention of TikTok's community guidelines, it appears that in the majority of cases, no action has been taken by TikTok to remove them after a complaint has been made. The union has written to TikTok demanding it take immediate steps to prevent posts of this nature appearing on the platform. Barton continued, saying material of this nature is deeply upsetting for the school and college staff who are targeted and we strongly urge those responsible for this material to desist immediately. School and college staff have worked tirelessly and in extremely difficult circumstances throughout the course of the pandemic. Imagine how they feel to be the subject of spiteful and nasty videos on a social media platform. Those responsible should show more respect, and TikTok should show more care. The videos that feature pictures of teachers, videos from school websites or YouTube channels and photoshopped images, have been viewed millions of times. TikTok has responded with a statement, claiming, Our community guidelines make clear that we do not tolerate content that contains bullying or harassment, statements targeting an individual or hateful speech or behaviour, and we remove content that violates these guidelines. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News.
0: Hello, welcome back from the news and from that that lovely warm chat with Louise Fentiman from Little Troopers. Um, I know we said during the, the conversation we had, but if you do want to access any of those free um, resources that are provided by Little Troopers, a charity, um, then it's just littletroopers.net. Uh, next, we're going to be speaking to Sandra Lehuque. Um, she is a she's the the head of a military household <clears throat> and um she w- with that comes a lot of experience of uh, being a mother and a wife and in fact um an ex-teaching assistant and um it, she's really going to shed some light for us on on what the the struggles and challenges that face um service children in education but also some of the the strengths and qualities that they can bring to the classroom i interviewed sandra Lahuke a little earlier today as um she's participating in a number of um, remembrance events today partially because she's involved with the military wives choir um but here is that lovely conversation i had with sandra a little earlier today And now I welcome Sandra Lehuquet, who is a parent and a military wife. Um, Sandra, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's absolutely lovely to have you. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you fit into sort of service and education and and that world? Okay, um, so I've been married to my husband for
6: quite a few years and um, so as a result things have obviously changed a lot from my initial sort of experiences but it's been quite interesting watching from a side anyway but so yeah I've I've been I'm a wife um, mother and I have also worked within the education system but so I've kind of seen it from a few different points of view Um, probably for me um, all of it involves support I've obviously always had to support my husband in any of his career choices and you know we've been we've we've been posted around a few different places um some good some not so good but that's part of uh, military life but then you also have the impact of when you have children how that then affects them um we have been pretty lucky actually that my children haven't had a vast amount of different schools to deal with some that I know, they're regularly moving. And a lot of, like one of my friends, um, she and her husband have made the decision that they've bought a house, she stays there. So the children have consistent education and he goes off and so they're just weekend parents. You know, she, he's just a weekend parent. Mm-hmm. If the, it even works out that that often that they see each other. Um, in fact, I have a few, a few uh, friends that are in that sort of situation and i do think that's a difficult choice to make but equally i understand why they make those choices so oh, that the children yeah. are are in a, a steady it's one of those things where you have to weigh things up it's good for the children for their education but then is it a good thing for them with a you know with the parental support
0: for
3: their so that's
6: yeah it's a difficult difficult choice but everybody makes their own choices i personally was um we moved around with with my husband um I'm sort of thinking about it so my children were fortunate in that my daughter she started her education in America. she got to go to kindergarten in America and traveled on the yellow bus. so that's quite a cool <laughs> how lovely <laughs> yeah. yeah and and actually the American system they start a year later than in the uk so she spent a year in sort of an early learning center sort of a nursery kind of environment um and then she only had the two years of education out there came back so she then essentially when she came back to the uk she had, she was a year behind but she wasn't because their education out there she was really lucky with the school that she went to in america they were fabulous and she actually came back with a, a better reading age than some of her peers that she joined back in the school at, uh, that was in Gloucester, um good old Gloucester. um so she was very fortunate um, my son, he only had he only had two primary schools to deal with. My daughter then, she had three primary schools, but the two primary schools in the UK were both in the English system. Um, and then they did high school in, in England. So it was only then my son, we came up to Scotland after he'd finished his GCSEs and we had to make a choice then. We actually stayed a few months. My husband came up here, he was posted up to um Mouth and we stayed behind so that Jacques could finish his GCSEs um, but that was only a few months it wasn't a major you know and we had to get special, special dispensation to be able to stay behind to get him to do his exams it, it's it's okay yeah there's a few things we even while we were in in, um, in London um, my husband actually got posted from one camp to another still within the suburbs of, of london but we had to ask special permission to stay in the house we were in so that the children could stay at the school that they were at so even although it was just the other side of of london we had to ask special permission and,
0: it's, and are they it's quite supportive of that though do they sort of well you know are they quite willing to give you that um that um, to, to sort of support service children in their in their education there's not a guarantee
6: it's 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 quite a stressful situation that you 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 there's no 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 absolute guarantees and we were having to sort of really and and actually my husband took on that posting in order to stay in the location we were at you know he he took a a position that was detrimental to his career but he made that choice so that the children could stay at the, the high school that they were at and then we had to then Try and figure out that we, we were actually going to be able to stay there after him making that choice. There still wasn't a guarantee that it was going to work out. So, it, and that was a really sort of essential point of their education. And it was just something
0: you just don't need. Yeah. Well, um, do you think that they were impacted by those decisions that, you know, the, the, the stress that those decisions might have um, caused you and your husband? Or, you know, were they just sort of happily getting along with their education and their friends and their? And their own life. I think
6: yeah, they were happy enough. They weren't really aware, but actually it's it's other things. Like so we made the choice to stay GCSEs, my son got through his GCSEs and then we come up here. So he then joined the Scottish education and then went into hires and um, advanced hires. So we came up here at the end of July and you know we'd already made contact with the school. There's only one high school to to choose from it's there's not a vast choice. Um and because of the Scottish system the 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 children up here had already made their choices for their hires and had started those
0: in May. So So it wasn't sort of a smooth transition from one system to the next system. No and then what was worse
6: was they then had to wait until August when they got the results to then decide whether they were staying in those hires that they'd chosen which then meant that my son had to sit and wait until all of that had been decided before he could then get his choices. So
0: he didn't start- The the local children, I suppose, then have already sort of months into that journey already. Yeah, so he got to start, he eventually
6: got started in the October. So he essentially had missed a whole term and a half of the the hire. So needless to say, he struggled. (laughs) So we thought we were making a good choice. We thought we were doing the right thing, but actually it didn't work out. But we couldn't have done it any other way because he still we still had to wait until he'd done his DCSEs. You know, we left as soon as we could, but it still wasn't, it still wasn't soon enough. So it did have an impact on him. He also then had he also then had less time to make so the 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 academy that we that he attended is quite familiar with military comings and goings. That's not a not an issue. That's not a problem. But he just found it really difficult to find his,
0: he just found it difficult to find a friendship group. He just didn't, he couldn't really relate. He'd, <laughs> you know, he didn't, you know, you know, moving from one place to another, a tricky time in your education aside, I mean, that sort of 16, 17, is a, a tricky time anyway, isn't it? it is it is and so he he really struggled and as a as a result he hasn't got a friendship group
6: up here so he's just he's done this sort of classic um i mean he goes out to work he's 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 very sociable at work and that's fine it's not that he doesn't socialize at all but he spends the rest of his time with his online friends you know he's he's a he's a gamer and he likes his online so i i get frustrated because i feel that his social skills have kind of taken a backward slide because he he didn't really fit in at all um just because he was that sort of awkward you know all, all of his interests that he had down south he then because he played rugby he came up here there wasn't a rugby you know just there wasn't an easy fit for him sure yeah you know um so it's yeah it definitely had an impact on him my, my daughter not so much because she'd kind of got through the high school stage and she'd gone on to further education and then at this point she was in australia having a great time so <laughs> so she was more fortunate um but my son i do feel that um the choices we made were tr- we tried to make the right choices for him but it still didn't work out
0: yeah and i it, it sounds like that these are really difficult decisions that service families have to consider you know throughout their children's education you know from, yeah. from the early days the primary school days um all the way right through to gcses and and if you're moving to a different location like whether the yeah. time frames um meet up and i hadn't really given that much much thought before and I, and I think you know lots of teachers we you know we welcome new students into our classrooms at, at various points of the year and we don't necessarily get a consideration to how. I mean, it sounds like it must have been a really stressful, you know, time for you every time, you know, having to make these big decisions. It's. I mean, I think life is a.
6: There's there's one sort of aspect that's a bit easier in that there is a lot more online support. There's as soon as you know you're posted to a location, you can find their Facebook page and you can start asking questions. So. I think the, the modern life, the modern sort of way is, is, you know, I mean I am prehistoric, so there was no internet when, when I was first moving around. So there was no, no way of finding out schools or, you know, you you really were struggling to, if you knew somebody that was already at that location, that was fine, you could ring them and and speak to them, but, but now having the, the resources online does make life a little bit simpler and a little bit easier um but it's even like uh, because i I did work in a nursery environment and there was one gorgeous wee wee lad and his mum was very aware that they were going to be coming back down south and she really didn't she felt she didn't want him to stay you know to be behind so she wanted to actually push him into primary school a year ahead and you know she obviously asked the nursery staff their we would have to have written a report to help her case and we had to tell her no please don't do that because it was a gorgeous we stole and it would have broken him because he just wasn't right he, he wasn't ready for that he wasn't mature enough for it and we understood why she wanted to do it because she she was worried about the future thinking he was going to be behind but it's it's like he will actually struggle more And he'll always have that struggle. Whereas if you leave him in nursery for another year, and we're obviously aware that you're going to be heading down south, we can start working with him. And and it's about his confidence. If you if you push him forward now, thinking it's the right thing, it will actually really knock his confidence because he's not going to cope. But that's that's that that was her trying to think ahead, thinking you know even for her little three-year-old on how the education was going to have an impact on him. It's like no, just
0: let them be little. <laughs> I mean, let him be little. Um, Phil Den, and you know, one of the things that he was saying is that um, a lot of the challenges that service children in education face are to do with their self-esteem and their their agency, and you know, all of those and confidence and friendship groups and well-being that surround um, the moves that they might have to do rather than necessarily the, the academic side of things because especially like you say in this day and age um there's so many resources online so you know, if Phil said they might have done the vikings five times in five different schools yeah. but they would yeah. big chunks of of other things so you know it's it's lovely and reassuring to hear as well that that you and your colleagues um you know, decided to work on confidence and and self esteem to support that move rather than sort of pushing for, you know, for an academic side of, or or learning side of of support. Absolutely. And that's, that was, uh, uh, having talked to
6: a few other parents of service children, one of the other things that um, a friend of mine brought up, she has two boys that are now in secondary education and they they moved recently, and both of them. Her, her older one, he's on the spectrum, and the younger one, he just is. Um, he's possibly dyslexic, but trying because she's moved around different um, education authorities, trying to get all of the the various um, people in on board. You know, they keep saying, "Oh, we'll we'll give them a few months, and then and then we'll 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 review the situation." But in a few months she might have moved on to a different environment, a different posting, or and she has struggled. And she's got to a place now where her older son is getting absolutely fabulous support because they understand him. He's been there long enough that the and he he achieved Nat Fives, because that's what we do up here in Scotland. Um, he, you know, he achieved results that he didn't think that two years ago he would be able to do. And even if they weren't like top mark, but they were results that he didn't think he would actually but it's because they were able to get the support in place because my friend fought and really you know she was banging on the door the whole time but what one of the things that she said was that she wishes that his previous teacher was able to speak to his new teacher an actual conversation between the two people that were going to be closely one working with and you know and having worked with because sometimes things get lost in the post or they get lost in translation or you know the the paperwork that goes with the children isn't actually necessarily about the children yeah it's you know it's there's there's a, a couple of little personality traits might be mentioned but but for an actual for a member of staff to actually speak to the like i believe you're going to have this student in your class next year So this is what we're working with, this is what the the situation, and it's not always possible, we know that, but she really feels that it needs to be a more personal conversation between
0: teaching staff. I mean, it seems like the smallest thing and so achievable that it's, I I almost can't fathom why that isn't already happening, you know, just... You, you have a service child that's come from another school or well, any child that's come from another school why can't we just pick up the telephone and just yeah. say hi I, i'm welcoming uh ex-child from yeah. from, your, from your class to my class tell me a bit about them what have they been doing how can i best support them um you know what should i expect you know what works yeah. in their personality you know all <laughs> of those things that will really help um with the transition from one school to another absolutely it seems like a no brainer doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> it it does but it's and
6: and there is that sort of aspect that teachers my goodness they've got a gazillion things to do all of the time so fitting in but it's for that new teacher that 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 for that one one child that new teacher already having a little bit of an understanding would save so much time and frustration on both sides mm, Absolutely. you know because because he, as a teacher you haven't got time to sort of sit you know you, you kind of need to just like get rolling with things it's in an ideal world it would be just you. you would be able to sit down with all of the students and have a little chat with them and get a little bit of background and <clears throat> and I think for especially for service children I mean my daughter her GCSE year was the hardest year because her dad was away he was he was in a place that wasn't very it wasn't a nice place and she was very aware of it and the the teachers that were working with her were, were, were really good and really aware but she got herself in a place that I didn't even see and I you know working in the school that she was at and got all of the great sort of um You know how to recognize students that are you know anxious or what had all those teaching you know had all those courses and things didn't see it in my own daughter and because she she was hiding it and and she was going through stresses that i i think i mean now i think we're we're a lot better at recognizing mental health in schools and and around but sometimes they just need somewhere just to go and decompress, just to, and for her, the friends that she had, they had no concept. Even myself, I I know what it was like for myself, working with people that weren't military minded. The amount of times I got told, oh, how do you cope with your husband going away? Why don't you just tell him not to go? That'd be so nice if I had that choice. <laughs> I know, I know. Or, or the other side of it was like, oh, I'd love my husband to go away for a couple of months and give me peace. No, you really wouldn't. You know, you really wouldn't, because it's not peaceful. <laughs> um. So the the, the 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 students are going through the same thing. Um. They they've got friends that are like, oh, I don't. What do you mean your dad's away? You know, what do you mean he's away? What do you mean it's in a scary place? And she's like, but she wouldn't talk about it to them because they just wouldn't understand. So it's it's for the students to have just a recognized like-minded person that can can just let them talk or not talk you know I don't know what would have helped her better at the time Um, you know the hindsight it's all all great and good isn't it but um, and she still struggles you know it's it's going to be a long-term ongoing forever thing um, obviously her dad doesn't go away anymore he's re- retired or you know, supposed to be retired <laughs> um he joined joined the reserves a month after he came out but never mind it's, <laughs> it's
0: uh yeah i think maybe so when i was talking to phil um earlier he was saying that um most schools in the uk will have one or two service children um i mean do you think bringing those service children together like to talk or or having a member of staff you know responsible for keeping a close eye on them checking in with them um, you know around issues related to uh you know what might impact their particular military family um I mean, do you think that's something that might help it wouldn't do any harm i um, you know i mean obviously
6: every every student's different every child's different and some Some might love the idea of having somebody to talk to, but some might just hate the idea, but I think it's knowing that it's there. Yeah. Not necessarily forcing them to to join in, or, you know, there's nothing worse than having a, like, let's have a group hug with all the people that, you know, no, (laughs) no, they're teenagers, they don't want to do that. Or it's just having, or not necessarily just teenagers, but, you know, it's just about having- I suppose access. access yeah just having somebody just having that sort of you okay today you know and and that mean you know they say it doesn't even have to be service children that these days does it no, Um
0: children of course
6: yeah but I, I was trying to sort of have a think about what would be best for the the service children and i think it's just being recognized even that they have got some things different going because i mean every every child comes to to education with their own baggage every child's got something that you know there's there's not many that are going to just sail through their school and their education without having anything impact them but um i think it's just the recognized service difference that uh it's just useful for them
0: to to be um, and to celebrate i makes them you know different i i i would think to have to have that you know just uh a slightly a sort of tangent here but um i was speaking to another online teacher this morning and um she said that she in one of her one of her normal scheduled lessons would run across 11 o'clock um today and she originally just said she wasn't going to do the the silence um and we were talking and i said you know there's service for, for service children that's really su- such an important aspect of of their life that maybe by not recognizing and supporting that, we're ostracizing them in, in some way and particularly for us online teachers because like you say, some uh, service children, you know online is where they find their their place because that never goes. that's one that's a place where they can go and be with anyone in the world at any time wherever they are located Um, and reflection she has decided to you know to do that silence today and she recognizes why it's so important but i think what i'm getting from you is that maybe in some way um marking and celebrating what's important to service families is a way of making them feel um part of a school community yeah, yeah, I definitely think that
6: there's, but it's it's one of the things, isn't it? It's it's that fine line from recognizing that they have got something that is, you know, unique to them, but also, you know, because some students, you know, what they're like, they don't actually want that attention either. <laughs> so it's a sort of playing it down, but also not ignoring it, I suppose, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I suppose, like, like you said before as well, you know, each child is is completely individual and, and schools will need to work with their individual students and individual cohort to work out what is what is best for them. Um, yeah. So, you know, on that note, Sandra, this has been an absolutely fascinating and an eye opening um, conversation. I'm hoping that our listeners will have really um, drawn quite a lot from hearing your personal experiences and. Um, you know, about how being a service family has impacted your, your children's education and their 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 lives. Um, and also, you know, I feel like we've been talking about the challenges a lot, but as Phil said, there are a lot of um, wonderful strengths that, that service children can bring to the classroom and to school and to their friendship groups and, and that they can carry forward with them in their, their life. And I know that we spoke briefly um, before This this chat, and um, it sounds like your your children have 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 got some wonderful like strengths and qualities that they that they are bringing you know to the fore as a result of being in a certain family. Absolutely, they have got plenty resilience for sure. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, So Sandra, I always finish by um, asking, who is your favourite teacher when you were at school, and why? Oh well that brought back a very happy memory and it's
6: it's it's about that confidence thing isn't it so when i when i was at school i i i, I was very quiet and very shy and a lot of people don't believe that side of me <laughs> but it's take, it takes a lot for me to sort of push myself out there but anyway when i was in um, secondary school and didn't really feel that i was anything special or anything like that i always enjoyed art and there was one particular art art teacher and we had done a project and it was um drawing Medusa, and yeah i i enjoyed doing it and that was all good and obviously it had gone you know i was very fortunate and my picture had gone on the wall and my friends had gone on the wall, wall as well and we were very pleased about this so he then um we were very sad because he was he then told us he was leaving so it was like oh what we're going to do without mr mckendrick you know what are we going to do this is this is traumatic but then it was like can we have our drawings back then can if you're leaving can we have our drawings back and he's like um yeah 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 I'll, I'll I'll, find them i'll find them but he never could and so we kept badgering him I Was like can we get our drawings no nope. and then he, he's like you know what he says i'm going to start teaching at um glasgow school of art oh okay that's quite impressive okay we were 14 you know so yeah but you know oh glasgow school of art that's quite quite cool because and i'm taking your drawings with me to show my new students." And we're like, oh, really? He says, yep, Lovely. your drawings are so good <laughs> that I'm taking them with me as a, you know, because I don't think they will have ever seen anything quite as impressive as this, like, oh, really, Gay, that's really cool, oh, that's really awesome. Really, he'd lost them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we know that now. We you know like, that now as an adult <laughs> reflection. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but at that time we were like what and and you know what I went on to art college so you know he wow. gave me belief in my art and and I still dabble I still enjoy art and I, I, yeah, I know, I know he'd lost the work. I know what it's like in a classroom now. I know, <laughs> but I don't Lovely care. Story. In my mind, those drawings went to Glasgow School of Art to be shown to the students.
0: Fabulous, fabulous, Sandra, Thanks again for for joining me and for for sharing all of your pearls of wisdom and your experiences. We're really grateful. Well, thanks very hopefully much. Hopefully, there was some some insight anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. So that was my wonderful chat with the lovely Sandra Lahuke just a little bit earlier today and um, unfortunately Sandra was unable to join us live this evening due to participating in the uh, remembrance events that are taking part all across the UK and indeed the world um, throughout the day today and of course this evening uh so we're just going to go over to hear from our lovely sponsors just one more time and then we will be speaking to vakas ahmad who um has has really celebrated remembrance in quite a spectacular and inspirational way um, in his school in Rochdale uh, this November and and actually indeed throughout the whole whole year this project has been running so definitely something to listen to Uh, it's very inspirational the story and um, I'll be speaking to him after these adverts
1: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Inc. Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics.
0: Hello, Louise. Oh, slight technical hitch there. Well, uh, <laughs> no show ever goes without a tiny technical hitch, does it? Uh, so um, now we're going to be speaking to the uh, to a wonderful um, teacher who's running a fantastic project at his school in Rochdale to celebrate remembrance in a way that really works for his um, really diverse community in and around his school um and uh really strives to connect children today with the history of um remembrance and armistice day Hi Vaca, thank you so much for coming on to Teachers Talk Radio to talk to me uh, this evening about this. Just it really is quite an incredible project that you've been running uh, at your school and um, in conjunction with another school I understand. So uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about um, Remember Together?
3: Yeah first of all uh, thanks for the invitation Holly, it's a pleasure. to hey, be sure. <laughs> Yeah so remember together so initially our school um, we ran a project called the forgotten heroes where we looked at the uh, soldiers from the commonwealth nations that contributed to britain in world war 1 and world war 2 and then we uh, when i started doing research into this i learned about an organisation called british future who are london based and they've been running campaigns on this since 2018, um, they've got some expertise in this. So I actually invited them for a Zoom session with our students. So I wanted them to get connected with a specialist organisation who has got existing expertise in this field. So the director of British Future, Sundar Katwala, he actually delivered a presentation on the importance of remembrance, what the figures were, what the significance was. And uh, what it means to Rochdale as a town, so the pupils were really inspired by that and then the oh. british future British future, they run an organization or they've been running a campaign theirs is remember together, where they basically mention that different communities have the opportunity to remember the soldiers that fought. And they also emphasise that our current British society is like a reflection of the diverse British armed forces during the World War One and World War Two. Um, so our forgotten heroes then collaborated with British Futures Remember Together uh, project, and this is where we set uh, start on this project.
0: It sounds uh, well. I mean, collaborations are always wonderful, but this sounds like you know you're bringing together quite a lot of um, expertise and passion and knowledge. Um, So, uh, how did the did the project manifest like today, particularly? But you know, how has it come together, and, and what have the students been involved in?
3: Yeah, so initially, so our student is actually very diverse. We uh, are a community-based school with over 1400 pupils.
0: Whereabouts is your, is your school?
3: Uh, it's in Rochdale in Greater Manchester. Um, and um, our student population is incredibly diverse. We have over 40 languages that are spoken. Wow. Um, and 70% of our population are from ethnic minorities. Um, so the students had heard through hearsay and through word of mouth that their elders had participated or supported Britain in World War one or World War II either as a frontline soldier or even as a chef or as a ammunition guard. Um, but they didn't have like a concrete lesson or they didn't have like concrete knowledge of this. Um, so they wanted to explore this um, as an extracurricular item. Uh, The group that was involved was 10 students who are with me. Um, I run a group of students known as the Democracy Ambassadors who promote advocacy within our school. So they wanted to complete and carry out this research. And uh, this is where we actually began, where they did the research. So we split the team into two groups. Mm -hmm. Five of the ambassadors did research on the African contributions uh, to britain and then the other five did research on the asian contributions and then they completed two essays which are currently present on our school website then they created a video uh, about the importance how many soldiers fought and then you know from our research the students and we collectively we decided that we wanted to trace the world war ancestry of our local community rochdale
0: how wonderful. Okay. Yeah,
3: because the reason why we wanted to do this is, you know, whilst we were doing our research, mm-hmm. we actually found out that there was two students in our school whose great grandparents had fought for Britain. Oh, wow. And yeah. did
0: the students know about that before they were involved in the project or did it sort of come it about it, as part of your
3: research? They heard about it from the elders, but they didn't actually even know what it meant. It's only since they did the project because what we did is um so do you know if you go on our website we have a community heroes uh web, web page
0: do you want to uh tell our listeners what the website address is so that they can go and have a look yeah if interest them
3: yeah so it's uh obviously it's www.failinchpark.com okay it's on our home page on our school website we've got a drop down onto it is split into two stages so the first stage is known as the forgotten heroes that is the student research Mm -hmm. two essays and their two video clips that they created the second drop down is known as community heroes and this is a combination of 11 profiles of 11 veterans who are from our local community or our surroundings so their ancestors fought for Britain, either in Burma, in Kenya, and so on. So, you know, these two students in our local school, one of their grandparents fought in Burma, defending the British Empire from the Japanese invasions. Wow. And the second student, his her, her great-grandfather, fought for Britain in Kenya, fighting against the German army. And wow. Two students, they're in the same school. And That's crazy. The heritage comes from two sides of the different parts
0: yeah. of it. how such a you know and you say that you've got a really diverse school community now, but also like their heritage is so yeah.
3: like diverse as well. So remarkable, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. How did those students feel? Are they are they very proud of that now that they know and are they are they sort of um mini celebrities within school having you know discovered this about their, their history?
3: Definitely. So you know, this the, our starting point was the two students. So you know, the two students they created profiles for their ancestor. So they collated the um, visuals, so any photos, pictures of their great-grandparent, war medals. Some of them have got war medals. Some of them have replicas, and then they got their parents to record a video. So you know, for each profile on our web page. One of their descendants is sharing their stories on video clips, so some of them are 15 minutes, some of them are 10, so like one uh, family member he says to us that when he used to go out with his grandfather uh, who fought in Burma, he says that whenever we used to pick up something from the floor, their grandfather, who was the veteran, he used to really have a go at them and shout at them. Because he says that he reminded his grandfather of you know when they were fighting in Burma against the Japanese Empire, the Japanese soldiers they would they would place explosive within pens, and they they would place them on the battlefields, and he reminds his grandfather of his friends that died picking up those pens and them exploding and detonating. Wow, we have some really remarkable stories founded and told by the family members and each profile the 11 profiles each one of them has like a 15 minute video clip where we learn about their stories or any features that they have
0: that sounds that's that sounds like i mean that must have a huge impact on how your students feel about their identity you know not just those two particular students but across the school i mean this it sounds like this project i mean we were just talking before um, we we went on air that about this attracting quite a lot of media attention. Um, so, ha- what sort of impact has that had on the the students in your school and their identity?
3: It, it's had a massive impact on the identity of our students. So, a lot of our students have said that they feel very connected to Remembrance now. They feel that when they were remem- participating in Remembrance before, it, it was for the world wars, it was for Britain. But now they say they have like a cultural or a personal attachment to remembrance so it reminds them of why so some of them they said now they know why some of them came to this country because initially their ancestors fought for britain and then they were called to rebuild the nation um some students said that they now feel they have like a holistic understanding of Mm -hmm. the wars They feel part of the wider society and they feel part of British Remembrance Services. So I'll give you an example. So one of our family veterans who was sharing her stories of her uncle, she told me that she went to the local market in Rochdale to buy a poppy. And then there was a white Caucasian lady there and she said, what are you buying a poppy for? Do you actually take part in remembrance? and little did you know is that this lady that actually my uncle or my great-grandfather he was flying the planes in Burma or he was doing such and such and I definitely have a piece of the cake in this remembrance or I definitely I'm entitled to partake yeah, in.
0: Yeah absolutely wow I mean that must have been a really um sort of a great moment for that young person to be able to to say that in that situation
3: yeah yeah absolutely so the students in our project they have been really really motivated uh, this has been a student-led uh, project so they were the ones who did the research that created the videos i was more of like a facilitator sure maybe gave them the research um, access and the books or whatever they were the ones who led upon this the community heroes that were involved who shared their ancestors stories they were even more passionate about the project. They yeah. said to us that we will share images with you, we will share stories with you. If you want us to come into school, we can come in. So, for example, we went to Remembrance uh, in our local town hall today, and one of our community veterans who's 77 years old, and he has arthritis, and he came to partake in the Remembrance with us. and literally fascinated just by meeting him.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet it was quite moving for for well, for well everybody. But you know, more so now, you know, having that connection um, between everybody in, in your community. So I understand that there was another school involved. Um, were they running their own sort of project concurrently? Or were you working together? Or you know, how did that sort of collaboration come apart, come together?
3: Yeah, so, um... We, we initiated our project in the start of the year uh, in January um, and then in the summer we won the Royal Society of Arts Awards with this project in uh, June uh, and then British Future when they got involved with us in the collaboration they actually they came into our school and because they were fascinated by the research we had collated in from our local community and um they suggested they they want other schools to roll out this project because they want schools to trace the World War ancestry of their local communities and because they feel that schools are like grassroots in the communities.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Definitely.
3: There's a lot of trust between schools and communities and uh, it's definitely a good uh, communication foundation for the community and the school. So what British Future did is they came to our school in the summer just before the holidays and they found out how we made the call-outs so you know when our ambassadors when they were making call-outs they placed an advert in our local radio station uh, Crescent Radio Uh, our local radio station they kindly played our advert three times a day for a full month for free and uh, that was actually our main um, attraction the local radio station because a lot of our veterans they have a language barrier as well so some of them actually don't speak flu english so the radio station actually kindly translated our call outs into Urdu and Bangladeshi language for okay. us so they they played them in three different languages for us so we made the call outs on Facebook and Instagram as well, so the students delivered videos asking the community and British Future, they asked us how we did this, um, what we would suggest for other schools, and then they went back down to London and they have already worked with the school in London. We've actually, we've never worked with the school in London, Okay. it was British Future, they went down. And uh, they told them about this project and they did some work in the past about the Remember Together and the Remembrance and they suggested how they could initiate the project and then they gave them the advice, they also stayed in contact with myself if they needed advice. And we were like an inspiration for them.
0: Well, it it sounds like that you, I mean, this sounds like such an inspirational project in the first place. But it's wonderful to hear that you know you, your project that you started at the, the beginning of the year has now inspired another school to do you know that research into their community. And um, I mean, this can only just be of huge benefit to young people and how connected they feel to their communities and their self-esteem. I mean, it's it sounds fabulous. So will you be doing the, the project um, again? Uh, will you be, uh, you know, what, what's next?
3: That's an interesting question, Holly. <laughs> so yeah, we've actually had quite a large uh, number of successes in this project. So we won the Royal Society of Arts awards, which is a national competition looking at creative Congratulations, design.
0: Congratulations, by the way.
3: Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, it's all based on like society, societal impact, um, and so on. We also won the communal Awards. Um, they work with um, universities, businesses, schools in uh, tackling social problems. So they provided us with an award. Um, this week on monday the guardian newspaper they wrote an article about our project have you had a look at that holly
0: i haven't no, well i i have been looking <laughs> online at some articles about the about the project yes
3: okay i suggest you go on to the guardian <laughs> okay yeah, so they've actually written a, this monday they published an article about uh, this project and how it's inspiring and the importance of it um, yesterday, the iNews and the Rochdale Online, they also um, wrote articles about our project.
0: I think it's the Rochdale Online one that, that oh, I... You, came yeah, because your project. They've,
3: yeah, they've also placed our video on there, haven't they? Oh, fantastic. Our mini film, did you get to watch the, our mini film on the Rochdale Online? I
0: haven't seen that, I oh, know, I didn't see a video at all, actually.
3: Okay, you need to get back onto it, Ollie.
0: oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't work in the, in a classroom setting anymore. I'm an online teacher, um, okay. but my my husband's a teacher, and I know that this sort of thing really interests him. It's the sort of thing that I can what imagine subject? wanting to do in in his own school. Um, he's a design and technology teacher, but he's very passionate about his um, Sikh cultural heritage, um, and the and we, you know that's I said to you before we were recording about us being quite passionate about. Um, yeah commemorating the contribution that the Sikh community made to um to Britain during the war so it's been um a, a real pleasure hearing about this project and um i hope that those that are listening might think about doing similar projects or being involved in some way and um recreating you know what seems to be just an, an inspirational year for your school so uh, congratulations congratulations and thank you so much for for joining us
3: yeah, I mean, when we went to the town hall uh, this morning, uh, there was actually five primary schools there. And the teachers, they said that they would be happy for some of our students to deliver assemblies in their school about this service. Oh,
0: how wonderful. Do you think that might happen?
3: Yeah, I mean, the students were ready to go today, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent, brilliant, right. Well, um, thank you once again, Vakas, and um, um, all the best to you and your school.
3: Oh thank you Ali cheers
0: So that was Bacchus Ahmed talking about his school in Rochdale and the um the remember together project looking at the um the local community and the generations before them their their contribution to um to the war effort so that brings us to, to practically to the very end of um our our show this evening i hope that you've enjoyed um hearing from you know like i said at the very start so much expertise and experience and passion surrounding how we can support service children in 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 education, and also from Vacus there on the end about how we can look to alternative ways to celebrate, remember, well, to mark remembrance in our setting. Um, even if you're working in a really diverse community, uh, you might be surprised at the connections that that lay underneath the surface so i will be over on twitter after the show this evening to ask you how are you supporting service children in your setting um and i will of course be sharing all of the websites of the fantastic organization, organizations that i've spoken to this evening and um please do come and ask if you need any signposting to any of the free resources and free cpd that is on offer to you to support our service children in their in this their school journey So, that's it this evening and I look forward to um, talking to you again two weeks today for my next show. Good night.
1: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.